Well, I want to open up with my third sermon in the Legacy series with a joke, and then we'll pray uh, a person. Actually, I don't know if I told you guys this, but a person won $3 million recently, and they said, hey, I want to give a quarter of that to Kalos Church's Legacy offering. We're like, what? That, that's amazing. And so now, like, they only have $2,999,999.75 left. They gave us the quarter. Glory to God. I told you I was going to tell you a joke. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> You know, Jesus talks a lot about money and uh, more than he talks about heaven and hell. And he has a bad rap, though, in our culture when it comes to money, especially with the abuses and church finances we've seen. And the crazy thing is, even though he talks about money so much in the scriptures, there's not really a time where he directly asks for money. Unless you um, talk about the time where he says, get that coin out of the, the tilapia, the fish's mouth, so that I can pay taxes. Isn't that right, Ty? Who's trying to convince me that fish is a tilapia? <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jesus gets a bad rap when it comes to finances. And so I just really think it's important for us as a church to build a healthy framework on the word of God about finances. Amen. Yeah. So that we can avoid some of these abuses. And, and today I want to talk about putting our hope in wealth versus putting our hope in God. And our text for today is 1 Timothy chapter 6. So let's read this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Today, the title of my message is How to Know If Your Heart Is in the Right Place. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that today we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, we've all seen people do crazy things because of money. We've seen people kind of operate under the control of money. It's like we're zombies or we're brainwashed by money. We're following it. It's leading us. We're chasing after it. And I want to show you a YouTube video this morning about someone being controlled by money on a YouTube prank show. Basically, someone says, if you do this, I will give you money and things get out of control. Let's watch this YouTube video. Today in our society, money is pretty much everything and it controls our life. Some people say they wouldn't do stuff for money. So today I'm going to put this into a test. Excuse me, you mind if I borrow your phone real quick? Mine ran out of batteries. I just gotta call my mom real quick. God is number. Hey mom, uh, can you pick me up right now? I'm at uh, Huntington Beach. No, I'm on like someone else's phone. Thanks man, appreciate it. What's your name? Steve. Steve? Cody. Nice, nice to meet you. I blocked my number and I'm gonna call him right now. Listen carefully, Steve. I can see you, you cannot see me. Listen, nice glasses with a purple shirt. Do 10 push-ups within the next 30 seconds. You will win $20 immediately. You have 30 seconds. $20. gonna do it <laughs> he's doing it 
I'm gonna call him now. On your left hand side, there's a Japanese surfboard. Do you see it? Go behind it, there's $20 in the bag. So then he collects the $20 and he realizes this person's gonna follow instructions from a stranger. So the, the host says, hey, I want you to walk up to this guy in a white shirt and just cuss him out. So he walks up to the man and he cusses him out and he says, all right, you get $100. And he says, hey, if you want $500, I want you to go up to this homeless man and steal money out of his hat. So what does he do? Let's see the next picture. He goes up to the homeless man and he takes money out of his hat. And this homeless man is an actor, so don't, don't worry. And we're seeing that this person is being controlled by money. So he says, all right, you won $500 or so. If you want to win $5,000, I need you to go to this trash can, and there's some white powder, and I want you to put it in this girl's cup while she doesn't notice. And so let's see what he does. He walks, and he's like, I don't want to kill someone. I don't want to drug this girl. And you can see him, like, really having a moral crisis. Do I want $5,000? Do I want to follow this money and do whatever money tells me to do? Or am I going to let this girl live? And he decides to drug the girl. $5,000. And so he collects actual money, collects the $500, is really trusting. But then when he goes to collect the $5,000, he sees a piece of paper that isn't $5,000. And I want to show you what it is. Let's play that clip. <laughs> so basically, this is what he sees when he opens the bag. He sees a $1 million fake money. But behind the money is a message. It says, I am a piece of paper and I control your life. Powerful. I am a piece of paper and I control your life. You know, I feel like money is controlling America. I feel like money is controlling many of us. And as a pastor, it's really important to address these issues because there are some really dangerous consequences for following money. We end up hurting people. We end up being taken advantage of, just like we see in this YouTube video in a, you know, a fun way. But in real life, money can be destroying people's life. And I found this out. There's a quote, like it says, if you make money or God just following it, doing whatever it tells you to do, it will plague you like the devil. How many of you would say yes and amen to that? That money is not a good God. Following money, living for money alone is not a life worth living. And this scripture we started off reading says, hey, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides. Money is fleeting. Money is uncertain, and many of us are putting our hope in money. We follow it. We hope for that job. We hope for that promotion. We hope for that extra income, and then our life will be better. Then we'll feel fulfilled, and then we'll feel happy. This is the lie we're being taught in advertisement, what we're being taught in schools, what we're being taught in the media, that money will solve our problems. But I want to challenge us today to not put our hope in wealth, but to put our hope in God who richly provides. And when it comes to finances, though, especially in the church, I've seen theology that kind of represents two extremes 
Two extremes I don't think are very healthy. The first extreme is we see a prosperity gospel that teaches us that righteousness equals riches. When you are righteous, when you're following God, you experience blessing, which manifests in the form of finances. Have you ever heard of the prosperity gospel? And this can be abused because you start to treat God like a vending machine. If I sow the seed, if I pray this right prayer, if I have a relationship with God, then I will be financially blessed. And God is almost a means to financial blessing. And I believe the Lord is our reward, amen, and not just a means to finances. And we've seen this abused, you know, you see the, the TV preachers saying, hey, give me money. I can't preach the gospel with just one jet. I need two. Like, and we see this abuse. And I, I don't know. I went to Oral Roberts University, a Christian university founded by a TV preacher who once said, hey, the Lord told me that I will die in this room. I'm locking myself in this room unless you give me like a million dollars. And people are like, oh, that just feels kind of like I'm being manipulated. You know, that doesn't feel right. And it, it put a bad reputation in a lot of people's mouth. I mean, in fact, my, my, my family will say like, you know, those preachers, they're just all so rich. They're, they just all want the money. I'm like, and my dad's literally telling me that while I'm in a car with the bumper falling off. He's like, you preachers are all so rich. I'm like, do you not see the bra that is covering the front of my car? <laughs> He's like, ah, you Richie. That's a rich, rich person's bra. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so, I mean, it just puts this bad taste in people's mouth. Like, the church just wants your money. On the other end, I've seen the, the idea of the poverty gospel. Maybe you've experienced or seen this, where if you have money, you're not spiritual. If you are rich, you're not godly. Hey, don't you know the Bible says uh, the root of all evil in the world is money? And so if you have money... You're evil. Jesus didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have a place to lay his head. So look at you, Richie Rich. You are not godly because you have money. Well, first of all, the scriptures say it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I, I've seen this whole idea that poverty equals spirituality. And in a lot of churches, I've really seen that take a toll on families, especially pastors' kids, where pastors are giving all their money to the church. They're not taking any money for food or shelter, and their, their kids are being neglected or their spouse is being neglected. And, and people are like, I'm just going to give all my money away, and I'm not going to take care of my family. I don't think that's healthy either. Amen. And I, I like that in the scripture that we say that God richly provides us finances for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy life. It's okay for humans to flourish and thrive and not just simply survive, amen? And so we need to bring a balance, a scriptural, biblical balance on our relationship with money. And so I'm going to share three principles that I believe will help us frame a biblical context for our relationship with finances. So what does the Bible say about our relationship with money? Number one, I want to share that this is a principle that we all must understand. It's this. There is a string from your heart to your wallet. Your money and your heart are very much connected. Where your treasure goes, so does your heart. In Matthew 6, the scriptures say, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart follows your treasure. If I said, hey, I want you to invest $100,000 into Tesla, you would be interested in how Tesla's doing. You'd be like, oh, they're, they're unveiling a Cybertruck. This is going to be, oh, no, the windows are smashed. <laughs> oh, no, there goes my money. You'd suddenly be passionate about how Tesla's doing because you have personally invested your treasure into it. Your heart follows your treasure. You know, this Thanksgiving, uh, Andrew Jennings and I decided to make a turkey. And I don't like turkey very much. I only eat it at Thanksgiving. And uh, I even wrote a song once that goes, Turkey, 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 why are you so dry? Turkey, 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 you make me want to cry. Gobble, gobble, gobble. And that was the whole song. Thank you. And uh, I just didn't like turkey, but we, we decided to make this turkey, so we, we invested our treasure. Andrew bought the turkey. I bought, like, the, the brining, seasoning flavors to make it happen. And so we brined this thing, soaked it in a solution that we made for about 12 hours, and then we smoked it for about six, seven hours. So when it was all said and done, we spent about 20 hours on this turkey. I don't care that much about turkey. I don't spend most of my life thinking about turkeys like some of you do. It's just not me, Stephen. It's not. And, uh, but that day, I was so interested in the turkey. What is the sheen going to look like? What's the moisture level? What's the internal temperature? I couldn't even talk to people at the party. I was just looking at the thermometer. I was so invested. I was so passionate. How is it going to taste? Why was I so passionate about this turkey? Because I had invested my time, my treasure, and you better believe we invested our talent in that thing. <laughs> and so that, that thing came out, and it was good. I had some people after second service, how did the turkey turn out? It's like, <laughs> glory to God, it tasted really good. And so... Uh, I was passionate about this turkey because I invested in it. And I, I want to just offer this advice. If you want to be passionate about the Lord, invest in what the Lord's investing in. You know, some of you aren't passionate about anything. I'm trying to find my passion. Well, try investing your best into something, and I believe you will find a passion. Why, why am I not more passionate about my marriage like I used to be? Well, are you investing the best of your time, your talent, and your treasure into your marriage? Why am I not passionate about my job anymore? I used to. This is why I went to college. Are you investing your best, or are you just doing the minimum effective dose? I mean, if you invest your treasure, your heart will follow. That is what the scriptures say. And so, uh, you know, I love this verse because it's also given me a loophole to judge people. And I love loopholes on judging people. You know, there's so many places in the scripture that says, like, hey, man looks at the outer appearance of someone only God can know the heart. Hey, don't judge me. You don't know me. Only God can judge me. Well, I might not be able to judge what's in your heart, but I can judge if your heart's in the right place by looking at your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. So if I see what you're giving to, where your treasure is, I know where your heart is, and I can judge the crap out of you.
I don't know if that's appropriate. I repent if that's inappropriate <laughs> for a church. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, it's, it's a great loophole for judging people. I don't want you to judge people. Judge, lest ye be judged. Jesus says he gives us a warning of being judgmental people. We do not want to be a judgmental church, but if you want to, you know how to now. <laughs> where is your money? That's where your heart is. You invest into what you value. And so we say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Does he really have your heart? If you haven't given him your treasure, guess what? He doesn't have your heart. Why? Because your treasure follows your heart. And so when we pray, Jesus, I want to give you my heart, well, we got to do what the Bible says and give him our treasure. Amen? Amen. Your heart is where your treasure is. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at the scripture. Number two. How should a believer have a relationship with money? I think we need to understand this. Money is a wonderful tool, but a horrible master. If you have a hard time remembering that and you need a rhyme, here it is. Money is a wonderful tool, but as the master, is cruel. Let that soak in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark chapter 10 says it like this. This is a story about a rich man having a hard time following Jesus because of his many possessions. As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And here's where it really hits home. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He wanted to follow Jesus, but his possessions held him back. Do you feel like you have a hard time following Jesus and your possessions are holding you back? I think this is a reality for a lot of us in America. Oh, I wish I could serve God. Ah, oh, I feel a call to do more ministry. Ah, oh, oh, but my job, my possessions, my materialism, my, my reality, the American dream is holding me back from fully committing to follow Jesus. The American dream tells us many possessions will make us happy. But here this ruler finds out that his many possessions made him sad. And this is, the, this is it. This is the lie that the world is telling us. It's telling us that it owns you, but really, it's going to make you sad. And uh, I just, as a pastor, as someone who deals with the ins and outs of lots of people's lives, I really see money taking a toll on us. I really see money taking a toll on this region. People move to Bellevue for those new jobs, and people get into the, the dream of a new car or a new home or having all of these luxuries. And suddenly, where we had these dreams to be good family people, we're not even spending time with our kids because we're spending so much time at our jobs. Why? To make money, to afford a house, to afford this place to live. Or some of us, we aren't even paying attention to our spouse because we're just working and we're thinking about our money. And we realize one of the top three reasons for divorce in America is finances. We realize that like suicide has increased so much in America to the point where life expectancy is going down from generation to generation. And 16% of suicides in America is because of financial and debt depression. 
And I, I just feel like money is saying, follow me. I will make you happy. I will make your wildest dreams come true. And it's taking a toll on your generation. And it's, it's just not okay. Money is saying, hey, I will be your God. And it's like, it's a great tool, but it's a horrible master. And then we stop living, you know, we stop working to live. And we're just living to work. If I make more, if I buy more, if I do more, then I will just be happy. And it, it's just not working. I mean, America is the, the richest nation that has ever existed in human history. And yet our people are not okay. I mean, addictions and opioids, it's not okay. I mean, even like things like financially, sex trafficking is bringing in like, what now, $150 billion a year? I mean, our people are not okay. We're seeing corporate greed, like put toxins in our, our food, destroy places, people's living environments. Like we see money buying politicians and making laws that aren't good for the most people. But because of money, we're just following it around like zombies. And it's just not okay. And it's taking a toll on our soul. And we need to address this. Money will promise you the world, but it will be a cruel, cruel master. At the end of your life, will you wish you worked more for more money? Or that you were a better husband, mother, brother, sister, father, someone who built a legacy that lasted longer than your life? Money is not worth, being, it's not worth living for. Don't fall for the trap of money. Don't sell out to money. And so Jesus, realizing how cruel money can be to us, here's the, here's the truth. Jesus doesn't want your money. He doesn't want money to get you. Because he knows once money has your heart, it will destroy you, take, you adva take advantage of you, and make you regret how you lived your life. Point number three. Knowing this, we must understand that only Jesus can deliver what money promises. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think a lot of us are trying to serve both. We're trying to serve God. I got to be about me. But guess what? You know what? When you have your mind on your money and your money on your mind, you're going to have more money and more problems. So what, what does it mean to serve money? Let me read this. You know, you know, it's not like you're doing what money says, like we saw in that YouTube video. Money's not talking to you like a little dollar bill. To serve money, and I want you to hear this, means to calculate all of your behaviors, all of your life to maximize what money can give you. Always asking what benefits can come to you from money. So what does it mean to serve God then? Serving God would mean doing everything you do, calculating all your behavior to maximize the pleasures you can get from God, all the benefits you can get from God in Christ. Either you are angling to make God your treasure in everything, or you are angling to make money your treasure in everything. And this is why we're talking about money. Jesus doesn't want 10% of your money. He wants 100% of your heart. And he realizes that there is a, way, a war being waged for your soul. And the money of this age, the lowercase g, God of Bellevue, wants to control you and destroy you. But Jesus knows that only he can deliver what money promises. Only Jesus can bring you life and fulfillment 
and happiness and joy overflowing and the life that is truly life as we read in this scripture. Only Jesus can deliver what money promises. So let me ask you this question. Is money your God? Is money your God? Are you trying to serve both? If, if there's part of you serving money, well, what does the scripture say? You can't serve both. So if even one part of you is serving money, you're probably not doing a job serving God. You can't serve both God and money. Is money your God? If you bought something you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like, guess what? Money is probably your God. If you find yourself shopping when you're sad to find some sort of fulfillment and happiness, money is probably your God. If you spent more time thinking about what you're going to do on Black Friday than Legacy Sunday, money is probably your God. Only Jesus can deliver what money promises. You know, Kalos Church is blessed financially. We're doing great, honestly, especially as a two-year church plant. But we don't preach this just so we can move forward as a church. We preach this so that your soul isn't destroyed. Only Jesus can deliver what money promises.